This episode of Sequel Decay is brought to you by nothing. Nothing. You know, that thing that your ex-girlfriend kept calling you? Yeah. She's probably not wrong. If I don't look into his eyes, maybe he'll forget. Good evening, everyone. It's 4.20 in the p.m. on this fine Sunday, May 20-something or anothereth. I'm Chris Ranta, and with me is Stefan Salagio, and this is Sequel Decay! You go back, and you do my name right, you <laughs> fucking slaw. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sequel Decay. I believe this is episode 7, where we struggle to get through the day one franchise at a time. I'm Chris Ranta, and with me is Stefan Salagio. Master poster, Stefan Salagio. More like Master Bader. Two things can be true at once. <laughs> All those posts you sent to our Twitter page were fucking bait. You're a masturbator. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes your Twitter page for your podcast turns sentient, and sometimes you need to put it in its place. When that time comes, you need the help of, well, you need a, frankly, you need a master poster. And lucky for you, you one of your one of your dear friends, by which I mean the only the person who's cooped up in this basement with you, is a master poster. Well, I mean... So, you're welcome. What are we? Do, what are we? Uh, what are we doing here? What are we doing here, Chris? Well, uh, we're trying to get the fuck out of this stupid basement. Okay, but in the meantime, tell me what we watched. What did we watch this week? Um. Well, I mean, this week we're talking about selections of Godzilla, specifically three and a half Godzilla movies. We'll call it four. We'll call it four. Uh Well, well, I guess we'll get to considering that. how fucking much they didn't use of the fifty-four film in King of the Monsters. Call it a four. Stefan, for our seven subscribers, including our moms, tell them about Godzilla. Godzilla is a massive franchise, mostly distributed by Toho in Japan. I don't know if the 98 one was, but I think... Mostly, mostly. Yeah, it's like the vast majority. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 30 Godzilla films have been made. 35, I think, now. 35 Godzilla films, more or less. I, I think we're... Well, we're guessing. Uh, only three of them have been made solely by Hollywood Studios. The rest have been in the hands of Toho, I believe. They they began with the first Godzilla film, simply titled Godzilla, in 1954. And the most recent entry will be uh, this upcoming Friday's Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is not produced by Toho. It's uh, produced by Warner Brothers' Legendary as part of the Monsterverse, or whatever. Rip the Dark Universe, am I right, fellas? Pour one out for my homie, the mummy. Cheers. The four movies that we have selected for this podcast, and we, we're not going to do all the movies today Fuck because... No. <laughs> we don't what, have time. What do you want from us? We have things we need to do. We are more than just meat for that dances for your pleasure. We, we have lives. Like, I need to go in the corner of that basement and just cry. That'll be my Tuesday. The four movies we selected are the original 1954 Godzilla. 1956's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Which... Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. The first American Hollywood-produced Godzilla, 1998's Godzilla, and 2016's Shin Godzilla, which is the most recent one released by Toho. And next week, we'll talk about the two most recent American-produced Godzillas, being 2014's Godzilla and 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yes. Um, Also... Since we're breaking some ground here, I'm going to cheers to this. 
This is the first film we've covered on Sequel Decay that's been released in the Criterion Collection. Cheers. It's been 65 years since the first one came out. Wow. So we are covering, for I guess it's 65th anniversary, a good one. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll come out and say it. This week has been the first time I've ever seen a Godzilla movie. This is not my first time with Godzilla. Okay, but you are a machine. <laughs> I'm a mere mortal human. <laughs> so I kind of went in to the first Godzilla, not really knowing what to expect. Mm. Because I knew that it's based on a lot of the Japanese existential angst about the nuclear ho- the nuclear bomb. And, and H-bomb testing in the Pacific. And H-bomb testing in the Pacific. But I didn't know much more about that. I thought it was kind of be a kind of going to be a dumb monster movie. Yeah. Oh, it's so very not that. <laughs> no, it's very sad. It's a slow burn. And it is it's, all the more better for it. You know, for a slow burn, it's paced incredibly well. It is. But before we go any further on 1954's classic, Stefan, why don't you tell us a little bit about Godzilla 54? Godzilla was released in 1954 and is directed by Ishiro Honda. In Godzilla... In in Godzilla 1954, a giant reptilian beast is awakened by the testing of the H-bombs in the the Pacific Ocean, and wreaks havoc on Japan. Specifically Tokyo. Specifically Tokyo. And it is up to a team of... Well, not really a team, but it's kind of a loosely knit group of scientists... To figure out a way to stop Godzilla from destroying the fucking world. Yeah, and one of the one of the scientists is played by Takashi Shimura, mm-hmm. who also starred in most of Akira Kurosawa's films, mm-hmm. including um, he's the lead actor in Ikiru, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. Seven Samurai, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and he plays the Macduff character in Throne of Blood, which is his Mac- Beth adaptation, which is also one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> See, you say this, and then you tune out when I start talking about JoJo's, and I think there's a little bit of a false equivalency on that. <laughs> okay, well, I think Akira Kurosawa is objectively better than anime, so fuck you. So, <laughs> obviously, as we said, like this is clearly an allegory for nuclear bombs testing, the bombing of Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. This came out about nine years after World War II ended. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's still kind of looming in the back of everyone's head at the time. It, the Cold War had just started recently, and the Cold War had just started. Yeah, I don't so, know. If, I don't know if this had been before the French started testing nuclear bombs in uh, in Polynesia, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that would have been worrying. I don't know if they had started that yet, but yeah, it was so, just nine years before the world all, all, all almost got plunged into nuclear winter because of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Charming. Yeah. It's very much a product of its time in that sense. Oh, of course. Obviously, we know, like, these are the central themes going into the movie, that it's very politically charged. Mm -hmm. And I love that this is a very slow burn, like you said. Mm -hmm. However, this movie is about as subtle as a swift kick in the ass. Oh, absolutely. Like, literally, at the very end, the last scene in the movie is uh, the old guy, the scientist, uh, like, saying, oh, anyway, I'm going to go on a 15-second spiel about... How nuclear bombs are bad and we should stop testing them, you guys. It's not subtle. It's it, wear, it very much wears its agenda on its sleeve. And that's completely fine. That's totally cool. Like, it reminds me of a Spike Lee movie in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Where Spike Lee does not give a fuck. He wants to get his point across. And I think for a movie like this, or for a lot of Spike Lee's movies too, I think that's completely fine. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. I mean... 
it's a more it's a more direct version of uh the guy at the end of King Song King Kong saying it was Beauty Killed the Beast. It's except yeah. a bit more obviously a bit more politically charged than that. I mean Jack Black. <laughs> oh boy, we'll get to that next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, around March, <laughs> we're gonna be doing that episode around March. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, like, yeah, it's not a very subtle movie, but I love it. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I think slowly but surely it's becoming one of my favorites of all time. Mm-hmm. It's way smarter than I think people give it credit for. Oh, that, fuck yeah. Way smarter than I think people who would work on future Godzilla movies gave it credit for. I think the issue at hand is that over time these movies have just kind of become big, wild, silly kaiju flicks. Mm-hmm. Which some are fun in their own right, I would say. Probably. Exactly. Oh, yeah. no, oh no, some of them are really fucking entertaining. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just fucking wild. Some of them are dumb as shit, but some of them are fucking great. Mm-hmm. But... It, it really does overshadow the fact that this is a lot more A, politically charged, B, somber as shit, and C, really slow and serious. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of first-time viewers are going to forget about that. Yeah. For as much shit as Godzilla 2014 gets about not having Godzilla show up until a certain it's point. It's a stupid fucking complaint. We'll it's talk a, about that next week. We'll talk about it next week. It's a stupid fucking complaint. But... Godzilla 1954, the original Godzilla... He doesn't show up for 45 minutes. He doesn't show up until 45 minutes. Ugh. Well, I mean, he shows up for a little bit at, like, the 25-ish minute mark when he's You only over see the glimpses hill. of yeah, him, Yeah, you see glimpses of him, but when they get to the island about, like, 25, 30 minutes in, you see his head over the over the mountains. He's like, ah! And they're yeah. like, holy shit! And they run away. And that's, like, the only real glimpse you get of Godzilla besides, like, a couple, like, you know, shots of him from behind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or from his side. Godzilla doesn't do any destruction shit until about 45 minutes in. No. Like, that's the better way we should put it. Is that Godzilla doesn't destroy anything. Yeah. Until about 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah, yeah. But even if you don't see him, he's still, like, this constant looming threat throughout the entire film. Oh, yeah. I, it, I feel like this is a running theme when we talk about shit like this, but I love... It would, I love it when movies can instill a sense of dread. Yeah. And I think Godzilla does this perfectly. Like, it's almost, and I don't want to say it is because I don't, I don't think it is quite this, but it almost reminds me of, like, a cosmic horror. Yeah, uh, a little in bit. In the sense that it's uh, un- basically not unknowable because we get a lot of exposition as to what it, Godzilla actually is. Mm-hmm. This, like, massive alien creature who shows up and is basically unstoppable. It's not on the level of, like, a fucking Lovecraft story, but uh, the sense of dread it creates is really, it's really, it's, the sense of dread it creates is really admirable, considering that this takes place in 1954, and the big monster is literally a guy in a rubber suit. Yeah, I I also really want to talk about the effects. Oh, they're great. I really want to talk about how, like, especially during the destruction scenes, most of it, like, sorry, all of it, I think, was pretty much done in, like, miniatures and stuff like that. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, th- you can tell a couple times, or at least I could tell a couple times. Because mm-hmm. there's, like, a scene of, like, a car, there's a shot of a car flipping over, or there's, like, you know, little things like that, or, like, a something falls funny, you're like, oh, this is a miniature. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I didn't notice. Yeah. This movie came out 65 years ago. Like, oh, yeah. it still looks incredible. The craftsmanship is, fu- uh, is fucking incredible. Like, like th- this aged better than The Phantom Menace. No kidding. No kidding. And this came out 65 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe it was the first movie to, like, employ Suitmation. I think so, yeah. Yeah. One of them, at least. By Okay, so by Suitmation... Okay, explain mean... this to our seven subscribers. I'll explain this to our seven subscribers. 
Suitmation was, it's kind of a lost art now, but back in the day, it was, in Japanese kaiju, or giant monster movies, uh, the way, because you don't have the special effects capabilities that we have today, mm-hmm. uh, to portray giant monsters, you would literally have somebody in a suit, and inside the suit there would be like little levers and stuff and mechanisms that you could use to move the monster around. And they when they would wreak havoc, they would wreak havoc on little, like like Chris said, like little model cities. Yeah. And that's how you made the illusion of a monster destroying a city. And in the first Godzilla, the guy inside the suit is named Haruo Nakajima. Mm-hmm. And I just want to throw his name out because he's, he's he he does a good job, <laughs> I guess. Yes, and it's it's a name it's a name worth knowing. I think. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. It, there there are Godzilla can look a little goofy. I oh, think. Of course. I mean, like because uh, I think I mean like the eyes look a little silly, but I think the guy the eyes for every fucking Godzilla have looked fucking silly. Yeah, yeah, and they kind of play with that in. Uh, another movie that we'll talk about, but yes, I also want to talk about the characters because yeah. if there's one thing this movie does right and most Godzilla movies do wrong, it's the characters. Yeah, when you think of like big sci-fi monster disaster movies, you don't think about the characters. You really don't. You don't give a shit about the characters because they're not written. With this though, it feels very personal. It feels like you're watching a tragedy, mm-hmm. and I think part of that is because of the allegory. Yeah. And because it is focusing on the H-bomb so much, it feels so much more personal to Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And there's never a moment in this movie where Godzilla's a global threat. No. Um, and it makes it a lot more heart-wrenching to watch. You know, as well as the allegory, there's also the characters, who are super well-written. Mm-hmm. Even, like, the minor characters. Like, there's one scene when Godzilla's destroying fucking Tokyo, where it cuts over to this woman and her two kids. Yeah. And she says, they're gonna be with daddy soon. And you're just kind of left to wondering, like, what she mean? Because like, it could be any myriad of reasons. I mean... Either he died can, in the war We're or... assuming dead. Yeah, yeah. He's dead, obviously. Like, like we don't know how he died, but still, even that general feeling, like, let's look at this from the surface. Even just that general feeling of, like, this woman and her two kids looking up, quaking in fear at the death and destruction. Of, they're just accepting death. Mm-hmm. That's heart-wrenching. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I like stories like these because they're very much stories about like personal drama or a kind of overarching theme that just happened to have a giant lizard in them yeah it very much feels like people working out their own issues or political major political issues in this case in the context of oh there just happens to be a giant alligator murdering millions in tokyo it's a drama first and a monster movie second which is just the way you want it to be if you're if you want to get a message across Mm -hmm. i have a couple questions and maybe it's just because i haven't thought about it enough about how the main scientist guy the old guy i mean yeah uh his whole thing is he doesn't want to kill godzilla Mm -hmm. he wants to study godzilla yeah it feels like they just kind of abandoned that thread at some point i think they abandoned it appropriately like because they basically abandoned it like the second godzilla destroys tokyo Mm -hmm. and i think that's when everyone goes Uh Uh-huh. No, we're not going to study Godzilla, are we? Because basically the way this movie is set up is Godzilla comes to be. Mm -hmm. He comes out of the water every so often and scares the shit out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And for that first 45 minutes, that first half of the movie, everyone's debating, what do we do? We've never seen this before. Like, what are our options? Do we study it? Do we kill it? Do we kind of wait and see? 
And the more they're kind of thumbing around and figuring out what the hell they're going to do, that's when Godzilla... And this is when they're debating, like, do we study it or not? Mm-hmm. That's when Godzilla starts to destroy the city. And I think very quietly they go, it's a bad idea. We're not going to study Godzilla. Yeah, I, I guess I just wanted a more satisfying conclusion to that or to that arc. I didn't... I, I thought they just... I thought they... Like, if they had had maybe the old guy accepting that, I might have... I, I would... I would have liked it more, but as as of right now, it just kind of feels like it fizzled out. That's fair. I, I don't think it fizzled out as much. I think just realistically, every I just assumed that everyone realistically just went, uh-huh, no, we're not doing that. Okay, That's but if stupid. they don't show it in the movie, I'm not going to assume that, though. That's, well, I mean, considering he's on the boat with them, I don't know, I... I I made, but, but I made the assumptions. Okay, I had to but make. I, I, I'm saying that I'm saying the movie shouldn't leave us to make assumptions. Yeah, I don't really care. Uh, but I mean, because it just kind of seems like he changed his mind off screen. Yeah, and that that that's what bugs me. I think. Okay, that's fair enough. But either way, um, Any what was issues? more compelling? What was more compelling to me is uh, Setizawa's arc, the younger scientist, the one with the yeah. eye patch. Mm-hmm. I like his thing of well. I have this oxygen destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I do you know if that's like the inspiration for the name of destroyer, the, the kaiju? Okay. Wouldn't be shocked, but I'm not 100% sure. If anyone in the comments knows, though, please let us know! And his thing is, well, I don't want to use this, because knowing what the fuck is going on with the world right now, it's just going to be used for some awful shit. Yeah. And the only way that he can guarantee that it's not is through sacrificing himself. And destroying the plans. Yeah, and destroying the plans, which is what he ends up doing. Spoiler alert for a 65-year-old movie. Yeah, I, I think that was that was really compelling. It's an amazing time capsule as to what people were thinking at that time. Mm-hmm. I do have one minor issue with the film, though. Okay. And it's super, like, this is nitpicky, bitchy. I just gave you shit for being like, well, we don't know what made the professor change his mind. He probably did it off screen. So here's me going for my nitpick. Some of the editing is really jumpy and jarring. You think so? And it took me a little bit. Like, there's just a couple cuts here and there. There was one I actually took note of. Mm-hmm. Just that way I remember this. There's one scene where uh, Professor Yamani was, he's sitting down on the boat at this point. This is in the climax. Mm-hmm. And he calls to Ogata and Surazawa. And he's still kind of standing up, and it just immediately cuts to him standing with the other two, <laughs> just together. And I'm like, "Holy shit!" Okay, like it's like it's super minor, and it only happens like I don't even maybe five it. or six times. But it was one of those things where, like that's weird. I didn't even notice it. Maybe I'm just not attentive. It literally, it literally took me out for all of two seconds I'm like yeah, i'm back in the movie guys so like it doesn't matter that much yeah i back going back to what you said about oh, fuck me going like back the time warp we're gonna talk about rocky r going back to you <laughs> jesus i'll get the sentence up going back to what you said about this movie being a time capsule though yes and it is the book like it it's worth restating the themes about nuclear holocaust in this movie are very much the forefront yes. of the movie like, if you go in and come out thinking, oh, well, it's a fucking apolitical monster movie. Shut the fuck up. You're an idiot. <laughs> who the fuck would walk out of this going, except for morons? Like, and by morons... Probably the same idiots who think, like, comic books are have have been apolitical until recently. Like, No, it's the people who think that the Twilight Zone's been apolitical until recently. You could retroactively read this as an allegory for climate change, I think. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because Godzilla is a problem of human creation. Yeah. If humans had not started fucking around with nuclear weapons, I say specifically nuclear weapons, 
then Godzilla never would have awoken. Well, not even just humans. They even straight up blame the Americans. Yeah, yeah. So they, they talk about the Americans testing, Americans bombing Japan, and then subsequent testing in the Pacific. And that is the impetus for Godzilla waking up. It's human activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's a stronger allegory compared to, the, evidence-wise, compared to the climate change one. But it stands to reason that Godzilla is still a problem of human creation. Mm-hmm. If humans did not, hypothetically, started warming the planet, Godzilla would not have been wo- woken up. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not as direct an allegory, but I think it there is correlation there. One of the movies we'll talk about soon definitely does touch on that. Yeah, it's a great movie. So, before we do a, a very special movie, Chris, to Ferranta. <laughs> would you... In fact, my middle name is, in fact, Tufer. Chris T. Ranta. <laughs> KT Ranta. Craig T. KT Ranta! <laughs> KT? Christopher Ranta. <laughs> would you recommend the original 1954 Gogeta? Boy, I certainly fucking would. I not only do I highly recommend a lot of the sequels as well because they are really fun. I'm would not be fucking shocked if this was available on Criterion streaming service right now. And if not, the Criterion Blu-ray is absolutely amazing. It comes with a whole bunch of features and essays talking about the movie that are so insightful and so worth going into. And yeah, that's my plug for Criterion. I would. I would also heavily recommend Godzilla, and I would say, unless you are really adverse to, like, black and white, or... Subtitles. Subtitles. I'm sure there is an English dub out there somewhere, it's just probably fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's horrible. Because I know the Criterion Blu-ray doesn't have a dub. Yeah. Or if you can't get over (laughs) the appearance of Godzilla, but other than that, you really, I think, should watch it. I, yeah. I think it's a gr- it's a great movie. If you have any appreciation for modern monster movies, like I'm, th- I'm talking things like Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. and you want a, a greater appreciation for how the genre started, mm-hmm. Godzilla is perfect for that. Yeah, it's a wonderful movie, and I would heavily recommend it. But now we uh, bump our time machine up two years to 1956, <sighs> grand old time. Right between right, that great period, right between the Korean War and Vietnam, <laughs> where and it only goes downhill from there, everybody. So Godzilla got a American re-release, remake, remake. I'd almost call it. I believe the, the original version had screened in America, right? I'm not sure about that. Okay. Probably in 1956, an American studio released. A version of Godzilla in the States called Godzilla King of the Monsters. This is not the one that comes out on Friday. No, it's a different movie. Uh, although I do like the title. Chris, before talking about your opinions, of which you have many, <laughs> uh, because, uh, full disclosure, I did not watch this. Chris watched it of his own volition for some reason. Because he hates himself. Um, I watched it because Criterion included it as a supplement on the Blu-ray. Okay. What did they change in this movie? Before you get into your many opinions on I, it. I do have many opinions. Um, so, basically, Godzilla King of the Monsters is an, an Americanized sort of remake, sort of not, where it includes a little bit of the original 54 movie. I'd, the entire climax is pretty much in there. Okay. And there's, like, 
a few shots here and there to be like, okay, there is a plot and the characters exist. However, most, there's like one scene where they talk about the H-bombs. Most discussions of nuclear bombs, nuclear weapons, all of that subtext is pretty much gone. The characters are kind of reduced to nothing. And what they added was an American character played by Raymond Burr named, I shit you not, named Steve Martin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a lovely mental image. Yes. uh, Basically, most of the movie is following Steve Martin, not that one. (laughs) He's a journalist from the States who was sent to Tokyo to kind of cover this. And as the story develops more and more, i.e. as Godzilla destroys shit, he decides to stay in Tokyo and just kind of cover the story as it's developing. Because God forbid some fucking Americans be willing to watch a movie with Japanese protagonists. (laughs) Fuck that shit. Basically... You loved this movie. I hate this fucking movie. (laughs) I hate this fucking movie so much. Full disclosure for the audience, because you know what I did. I watched about 20 minutes of this thing. And I had already watched the other bad Godzilla movie we're covering today. On the same day. I had gotten 20 minutes into this fucking movie. I went out onto my balcony to have a smoke. And I phoned you. And the first words that came out of my mouth were, I cannot stand this piece of shit anymore. I need to talk to you for an hour. <laughs> You're well within your rights to just stop watching too. Because we weren't planning on covering no, this. No, no, we weren't planning on covering this. I did want to watch it because I was almost kind of curious. Because I, yeah, oh boy. So, in that case. Yeah, anyway. So, we, oh Jesus Christ. Um. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I want to talk about this anymore or whatever. Who gives a shit? You have so much notes. <laughs> I have so many notes. I have as many notes for this as I do Godzilla 98, guys. Get ready. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so basically most of the movie is following Raymond Burr around. I refuse to call him Steve Martin because I don't want that precious name associated with this shitty fucking movie. There's no subtitles for any of the Japanese characters. Oh. None whatsoever. I didn't know that. That's dumb. Nope. Um, so if they're speaking their native language, either Raymond Burr is narrating over them being like, this is more or less what they're saying. The Chewbacca principle? Yeah, kind of. Or Raymond Burr looks over at the first Japanese guy he sees and goes, what the fuck are they saying again? (laughs) Like, I'm not even kidding. There's one scene where they're in a fucking lab and there's a scene from the movie going on and it just cuts to Raymond Burr and a couple other Japanese guys. He looks at him and goes, what the fuck are they talking about? I'm just like... (laughs) Oh my god, this is going to be the entire movie. That's when I turned it off and called you. Even, that seems like such a stupid way to make a movie, because, like, what what's the, you can just add subtitles and you don't disrupt the narrative flow like that. No, I think it was just to pad out the length. I mean, enrich the story. <laughs> um, also, if Raymond Burr is not narrating your dialogue for you, you're dubbed over. And oh. it's painfully fucking obvious, because here's what happens when you're clearly dubbed over. You're either speaking off camera, or you're filmed from an angle in which you cannot see their lips, which actually happens. Mm. Um, there's a scene where Sarazawa's on the phone or something, and the shot is, okay, so you've got like a shelf with a bunch of beakers and shit on them, and right behind that shelf is him, and you can tell it's him because he's got the eye patch and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's like the beakers on the shelf, and then behind the shelf is him, and he's just sitting there talking, but you can't see his fucking lips move, and you know he's dubbed over. <laughs> Like, it's very fucking obvious he's fucking dubbed over. Oh, it was it was pathetic. And then if you 
if you're on camera and you're dubbed over and we can see your lips, it looks so fucking bad, man. Like, it's like worse than The Room in terms of dubbing. That's painful. Oh, it was embarrassing. It was so fucking bad. So yeah, basically, I think the best way to describe, this is Godzilla for morons. And (laughs) it's like, what's the theme of the movie then? If if they there is no theme. This is a monster movie. This is all and out a monster movie. That it doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing. It's just kind of like, yeah, this is it. Like, like I said, they keep in the climax. They keep in a couple key scenes that kind of describe what Godzilla is. They don't really go into the H bomb stuff at all. I'm assuming that's because American audiences, God forbid, they handle any sort of opinion that's not their own. Yeah, God forbid they refuse to acknowledge the fact that the United States played a key role in perpetuating the nuclear proliferation warfare. of nuclear weapons and the threat of nuclear warfare and actually being the only country to ever use nuclear bombs against a civilian population. <laughs> God forbid they be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, no, and then when you remind them of that, they get all angry and pissy and like, Oh, we didn't do that! How dare you think that we did such a thing! We're, We're so, so good I don't think there's much like denial of the new the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but I think there is a lot of minimization of the United States like culpability in that. Uh, yeah, and and the, more more so in the subsequent proliferation of nuclear weapons. Where it's where it was very much painted as oh, but we need this in self defense because God forbid the Soviet Union should have weapons in the case of a very real threat of of Western aggression. Look, the Cold War is a fucking cock measuring contest. Okay, I mean yes, this movie is trying as hard as it can to appeal to the dumbass general public and make the states look okay, and it, that's why they cut out any. Major references to the H-bomb. There's only one in the movie, and it's during the big, I guess, the town hall sequence towards the beginning. Uh-huh. Um, and then everything else is just a fucking monster movie. You, you you can't make a weapon about nuclear weapons and be apolitical. So they just tried to strip out the nuclear weapons. This is probably the movie that some dipshit watched, and that's why they're going, Godzilla's actually an apolitical monster movie. They probably fucking watched this. One. If anybody ever argues with you that monster mo- that the original monster movies are apolitical, they need to watch more fucking monster movies, or, or they, they need, or they need reading comprehension. I was because... gonna say either that, or they should just learn how to read. Yeah, yeah. Well, reading comprehension. But you know, this is the same country that screams, "I don't like subtitles. I don't want to read the movie. I just want to watch the movie." And... Yeah, which is how you develop a passive population. Exactly. Part of the aesthetic of fascism is the encouragement of art as something that has no meaning to yeah. it. Because if you create art that supposedly has no meaning, that's how you get a passive population. Because you encourage them, well, you don't need to read into this. If you encourage people not to read into things, not to look for deeper meaning in something. Well, and that's what this con- movie basically does, is it encourages people not to see a deeper meaning in Godzilla. Yeah. And it encourages people to completely disregard any sort of warnings that the original had about nuclear war mm-hmm. in King of the Monsters. Because it's bullshit. Another thing I also noticed, like I said earlier when we were talking about 54, the stakes are much more centered around Tokyo mm-hmm. in the original, but in this one they make it more global. Because Raymond Burr keeps going, this could fuck up the entire world. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> This isn't about the whole world. This is a... Uh. 
Like this movie, this is basically Godzilla for idiots. I'm I'm still standing by that. This is the ha- this is the hashtag not all countries of. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, a million people have been killed in Tokyo. But what about Fresno? <laughs> <laughs> It's embarrassing, but, like, this makes it so much less grounded, and it makes the stakes so much less personal, and you have really nothing to connect with besides special effects. Violence. I just came. (laughs) Oh, God! (laughs) What's wrong with me? (laughs) Three times! I need to see a doctor. $500 for a consultation? Oh, no! Oh, no! (laughs) And finally, before I decide I want to set this thing on fire also you would ask me when we were on the phone how much of this how much of the original is in this movie mm-hmm. i'm gonna say around 40 percent. okay like like i said this is 16 minutes shorter than the original it's also they also took a lot out mm-hmm. like holy shit they took a lot out like any scenes that are key as far as like plot progression goes are there everything else is gone it's it's just embarrassing and there's also a lot of really hilarious shots of raymond burr just standing there and you can tell they just shot it the other week <laughs> is ishiro honda still credited as like a co-director he is he is credited as co-director i don't know if i'm happy about that or not i'm not <laughs> i feel really bad for him yeah yeah anyway so another thing i did before i decide i'm done talking about this fucking movie i'm gonna talk about the marketing for both of these films okay criterion was kind enough to put the trailers for both of these movies on the disc. So I said, oh, fuck it, I'll watch them both and see how this goes. Oh boy. Okay, so the 54 film is marketed more as a somber horror film mm-hmm. to align with its political leanings and its messages. And like even things like, you know how in old trailers, like especially like monster movie trailers, horror movie trailers and stuff like that, they would have like giant like buzzwords on the screen to like tell you how to feel. Like It's a wonderful aesthetic. Yeah. And in... horror. Yeah, exactly. The original terror. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Jesus one. fucking Christ. <laughs> anyway, so in the 54 trailer, words like terrifying are coming up. And it's clearly trying to be like, this is a fucking horror movie. And when they do highlight, cause they do highlight the effects in both trailers. Mm-hmm. But in the 54 trailer, they do it in a way to make the audience believe that this situation could be real. Like, look how realistic this is. And it almost does kind of feel like a double entendre of like, this could happen if we keep going up with these nuclear weapons kind of thing. Yes. Now, in the King of the Monsters trailer, it's a goofy disaster movie all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know what phrases and buzzwords they highlight? Lay them on me. Dynamic violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if that isn't the most telling thing. <laughs> Join journalist Steve Martin, not that one, as he <laughs> navigates his way through dynamic violence and awesome special effects. That's the trailer, guys. That's the fucking trailer for King of the Monsters. And it's embarrassing. It's pathetic. It's a complete bastardization of the original. And if you watch it and like it, I think you're dumb. (laughs) And it is my firm belief that the United States of America should not be allowed to make Godzilla movies after that. It is my firm belief that the United States of America should not be allowed to exist. And of course, you know, you would think the King of the Monsters would be, you know, a stunning cautionary tale and how Americans maybe shouldn't be touching Godzilla or really any Japanese-originated media whatsoever. Nope! Let's talk about Godzilla 98. Okay. 
Uh, let's, let's have another beer. Let's let's get some Give more beer. Me some now. fucking alcohol right okay, now. Okay, great. <laughs> We're just gonna get ourselves something to drink real quick. Yeah, because this is gonna be a long, I'm long. Time myself a fucking noose. Is that good for clam for you, or do you need more? Up to you. How much booze do you want there? Uh, Cheers. All right. So, Godzilla 1998. Take it home. In 1998. The first Godzilla movie, completely produced and developed by an American studio, a Hollywood studio, was released. And it was directed by Independence Day director Roland Emmerich. And starring Matthew Broderick as Nick Totopoulos, who's a scientist who must find a way to defeat Godzilla. Uh who I think is like a mutated iguana. <laughs> also pregnant. Also pregnant. Uh, who was warped by the French nuclear tests in French Polynesia. And fun fact, France actually just apologized for that. Oh, oh it's about time. Yeah, well, I mean, I, they apologized after massive birth defects to the French Polynesians, but... <laughs> How many decades too late are they? Oh, uh, 50. <laughs> well, Fuck yeah! 50 fucking years! <laughs> Fuck France. But so this movie came out in 1998. Okay. And this came out, I think, yeah, about the 90s was that height of disaster movie era. Mm hmm. Because in 1996, about two years prior, Independence Day was released. Mm hmm. And before that, Steven Spielberg struck fucking gold with Jurassic Park. Yes. And at this point, The Lost World had already come out. Yeah. Not only did we have. The original Jurassic Park, but we also had The Lost World, which featured the T-Rex roaming around San Diego. Mm -hmm. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, <laughs> San Diego. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this was around the time when disaster movies were at, let's say, their peak. Roland Emmerich pretty much became the granddaddy of disaster movies with Independence Day. And... This was going to happen. Yeah. With Jurassic Park being as successful as, it, successful as it was, and Independence Day being as successful as it was, this was going to fucking happen. <laughs> and fun fact, this also premiered at the 1998 Cannes Film Festival. You're shitting me. What the This fuck? was the closing night film at Cannes in 1998. I want to say, yeah, 21 years ago, roughly this weekend. <laughs> this oh. past weekend that we're recording this. Oh, God. Godzilla premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Why do we care about that fucking festival at this point? Well, that's the thing. Everyone at the festival hated it. I'm sure they did. They were expecting some French guy jerking off into a corner for three hours, and they got an inferior product, to be quite honest. I've got a lot of shit to say about this movie. And so do I. So do I. I'm... So sad that I have to. The acting and dialogue. Fucking how awful. Just terrible. And yeah, like, I that mean, is very much a consequence of Roland Emmerich being your director. Well, that's also the case with the script being as bad as it is. Yeah. But another thing that also kind of leads that, I don't think Matthew Broderick's the weakest link in this movie. No. And I don't, I don't think even great, think, but... And I don't even think Matthew Broderick's a bad actor. I don't think that either, but... When... For those of you that think he is for some reason, I highly recommend, obviously, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. And Alexander Payne's Election. 
and even the cable guy that Jim Carrey movie was in. Oh no, he's Ma- really good in those. Matthew Broderick's a good actor, but yeah. when you give him a weak script, well, not only that, but when you completely miscast him, yeah, that's he, the problem. He Every... admitted after the fact that well, he likes the movie for whatever reason, but he's, he's probably mixed, he's miscast. He probably had fun making it. Yeah, yeah, probably. The script is bad. The script is horrible. Everyone's completely miscast. So I don't know who the casting director was on this, but they can go fuck themselves yeah. too. Because they don't. They're not characters. They're individual quirks that in a human meat sack that no, are supposed to be characters. No, no, they are the living, breathing personifications of really stupid caricatures that are not fleshed out whatsoever. Yeah, like you have Jean Renault, who is French guy. That's his, that's the fucking Yeah, character. basically, yeah. No, he is basically French guy. He's there to shit on the States, <laughs> is what he's there to do. Yeah, he's basically just cocky You call this coffee. <laughs> yeah, he's basically cocky French guy. Yeah. There's two Simpsons actors that play leads in this movie. Yeah. Hank Azaria and Harry Shearer. Hank Azaria just gets a lot of shit from his girlfriend. Yeah. She keeps yell- yelling slurs at him. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. She did dropped you... an R word on him. And I was going to say, him... did you notice that, like, right in the, like, it's kind of buried underneath everything. But I heard her say it. I was like, oh, this was made in 1998. Yeah, that she called him a WAP later. Yep. There's a lot <laughs> of like, uh, what the? Pleasant. I think I think that word was like out of fashion would you, in 1998. Would, would you like to tell our seven subscribers what a WAP is? No, I would not actually. <laughs> well, come on, tell them. It's a slur for Italian people, but, like, <laughs> what? Uh, why? <laughs> it's, well, because Hank Azaria is playing an Italian, a mother, a fucker. For some, I mean, I guess he's... He makes the spaghetti and meatballs using the blood and the flesh of Mussolini. Like... What, what the fuck do you think Italian people are? <laughs> <laughs> then there's also, like, that, they kind of play it off as, like, kind of a gaggish thing in the beginning, but... Harry Shearer plays the main love interest boss. Yep. By the way, Harry Shearer plays Kent Brockman on The Simpsons, and when he does his newscasts, he sounds exactly like fucking Kent Brockman. But he doesn't say anything funny. No, he doesn't say anything funny. You're waiting for him to say something funny. You're waiting for him to do an Ion Springfield bit. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to because, you know, Mullen Emmerich's a moron. Yeah. It, this movie has, like... The first 30 minutes especially are, like, completely incoherent. Oh, yeah. But uh, I was going to say, the jokes kind of around Harry Shearer's characters sexually harassing the love interest yeah. are fucking terrible. Yeah. Like, her whole arc is she's being sexually harassed by her boss, and she finally tells him off at the end. Yeah. And this movie has nothing interesting to say about no, sexual harassment either. No, no, no. It, any point it has to make about anything is either brushed up, brushed off or a joke. Yeah. Uh, a bad joke, I should add. Oh, yeah. No, there's nothing funny about this movie. There's no good lines. There's nothing... There's no connective tissue. There's... <sighs> so, much like it sounds like King of the Monsters tried to do, they really try to Americanize this movie. And part of that is just kind of the result of it falling into that disaster movie niche. Yeah. Uh, because back in the days, like, in Independence Day, the U.S. military has a massive part in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. And they try to basically pull from that playbook in this one. And boy, is that ever ironic, based on what Godzilla used to represent. Ugh. Although... <laughs> I will also say the U.S. military is fucking incompetent in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're fucking dumber than stacks of bricks. The U.S. military firing at something, missing, and then hitting debris that come back to kill American soldiers might be one of the most accurate assessment of American foreign policy in this movie. <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, 
there's a scene where they even like because Godzilla does the does its secret technique of ducking, mm-hmm. uh, they blow up the Chrysler building. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I've actually done a 180 on this movie. Godzilla oh. 1998 is actually a prescient dramatization of the fall of the American Empire. Change my mind, Chris. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Should have been screened at Cannes. Mwah, mwah. Chef's a kiss. Boy, do I have news for you, Chris. It was screened at Cannes. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Same as Blues Brothers 2000. Fuck. <sighs> we'll talk about that sometime soon. Mind you, every, any Lars von Trier movie that was filmed at Cannes is just as bad. Screened at Cannes. Why would they be... He, he doesn't just shoot them at Cannes and then the last they go, here is my movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think um one of the... This is awful, but the funniest line in the entire movie is when um, Harry Shearer's Kent Brockman ripoff says, This is the worst act of destruction since the World Trade Center bombing. And I'm like, buddy, you haven't seen anything yet. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, it wasn't. Just have Ron Howard come in the background. (laughs) There's no reason that this movie had to be set in New York, by the way. None. Oh, sorry, not New York. Because the caption that appears when it transitions to New York is, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> it was at that moment when I discovered, when I thought, you know what, I could die right now. <laughs> and I, I think that would be preferable than I, going through the re- the last two hours of this movie. Yeah, oh my god. Like, I didn't take any breaks during 98. <laughs> I had to take a break, like, just under halfway through, just to wa- quickly watch something that I liked. <laughs> like, I stopped at the hour mark, then I watched an episode of Kaguya-sama. And then I came back to this reluctantly, and like the la- every five minutes from then on, I considered should I just watch another episode of Kaguya-sama? Because <laughs> this is ta- this is shaving years off of my fucking life. <laughs> and at this point, the only reason that I would continue watching is because hopefully that counter is going to hit zero, and I'm going to drop fucking dead right now. There's not much you can say about this movie. A lot of it's already been said. Like I think it's almost common knowledge at this point that. The mayor and his assistant are supposed to represent Siskel and Ebert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, that was my first thought. Because when they introduced Mayor Ebert and his assistant, Gene, it's like, that looks a lot like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. Yeah, and I mean, Roger Ebert even brought it up in his review. I think when they did the Siskel and Ebert episode on Godzilla, they probably brought it up too. Yeah. Um, Nostalgia Critics brought it up. Everybody's brought it up. Mm-hmm. There's no point in touching on it anymore. Basically, Roland Emmerich is a sore fucking loser who can't get over the fact that his movies are shit. God, he's such a hack. Such a fucking idiot. Like, this basically is Sony trying to capitalize on the whole fucking cultural zeitgeist of disaster movies at that point, cinematically. Yeah. And also Jurassic Park. Like, the entire... Tower? Entire last hour of this movie is them ripping off Jurassic... The raptor scenes. Yep. Oh, yeah. With the baby Godzillas, which, whatever the fuck. (laughs) Baby Godzillas chasing the protagonist through Madison Square Garden. Even them blowing up Madison Square Garden is them blowing up the White House on Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. Like, basically, it's just there to be like, that's a thing I recognize, blowing up. Cool. (laughs) Like, this is the dumbing down of American civilization, is this fucking movie. Owning Siskel and Ebert by making the worst fucking ripoff of Jurassic Park possible. And also, simultaneously... Giving a just sloppy, sloppy blowjob to the military-industrial complex. I love how there's points where I think it almost does want to paint Godzilla as a sympathetic figure and doesn't. It fucks up at that, too. Yeah, 
Like, there's no point where... Because there's points where you think that they are going to do it, and then they don't. No. Like, it kind of touches at that, but it feels like it's touching on it just so it can cover all the bases. Yeah. Like, uh, so it can cover the bases of, oh, we're a fucking fun action movie, but there's a... There's a mildly poli- they, okay. They they touch on the politics of nuclear weapons, but it's like once barely. They barely do. They do it about as they do it more than they do in King of the Monsters. But that's not fucking saying much. Yeah, I've lost my train of thought. So, yeah. fan, what did Toho think of this movie? Well, they reacted to this movie by basically disavowing its existence. <laughs> they were not happy with it. Like they they did not seem to fucking care about burning bridges with Warner Brothers, Sony, Sony. I have here some reactions to this movie. Oh, good! Not necessarily from Toho, but first we have Rita Kempley of the Washington Post. Okay. She said the film neither draws upon our fears nor revels in the original's camp charms. Oh, I don't know about that. The picture really... (laughs) The picture really... I think she must be talking about King of the Monsters. The picture... That's that's my... I don't know. Or maybe the series. I don't fucking know. I mean, yeah, because the original's not that campy. No, it's not. It's pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. The picture really isn't about anything, unless it is the deep pockets and shallow minds of the honchos who begat this colossal bore. <laughs> she wrote further, Size vanquishes both substance and subtlety in the overhyped, half-assed, and humorless resurrection of dear old Godzilla. It might as well get be titled Iguana Get You, Sucker. <laughs> That'd be a good name of the movie. It was pretty good, yeah. That's good, yeah. Director Emmerich later admitted regretting the film's production, particularly due to the rushed shooting schedule. This is all off the Wikipedia page, by the way. Okay. Due to the rushed shooting schedule that was required for a Memorial Day weekend release and the studio's insistence on not test screening the film. You co-wrote the script, shitbird. You knew what you were getting into. However, he defended the film as better than critics gave it credit for, as it was financially successful, and out of all the films he directed, it was the one which parents told him their children enjoyed the most. What what fucking child would enjoy this movie? I I would have fallen fucking asleep. When I was five years old i too really enjoyed matthew broderick buying five pregnancy tests for 46 dollars. oh yeah real compelling <laughs> it's so fucking boring too also some of the marketing i want to talk about this movie i love how basically the taglines for this movie are just cock measuring contests yep, yep. something big is happening size does matter i guess you can interpret this in a sexual way the city that never sleeps just got a wake-up call <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> This is this is the cream of the crop okay. for Roland Emmerich quotes about this movie. Okay. I was never a big Godzilla fan. No shit! <laughs> they were just the weekend matinees you saw as a kid, like Hercules films and the really bad Italian westerns. Oh. You'd go with your friends and just laugh. So, Emmerich, hack as he is, does not have any actual appreciation for the movies or for the themes of that the That he is bastardizing. That... He deci- has decided to make a fucking movie on. <laughs> what? <laughs> Unabashed hackery. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he's nice in person. So, Stefan, would you recommend Godzilla 98? I'm not done. Oh, uh, fuck, there's more? There is absolutely more. God because damn it. Because veteran Godz- Godzilla actors, and by Godzilla actors, I mean people who were literally in the rubber fucking suit. Yeah. Haruo Nakajima and... Kenpachiro Satsuma, and as well as Shusuke Kaneko, who would later direct Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Oh, that one's fucking fun. (laughs) Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. We're also critical of the film and its character. Nakajima, original Godzilla, Mm -hmm. stated, Its face looks like an iguana and its body and limbs look like a frog. (laughs) 
Satsumo walked out of a screening of the film at a fan convention in G-Con 98 in Chicago, stating, It's not Godzilla. <laughs> it doesn't have its spirit. Mm-hmm. Kaneko pondered the treatment the character was given by the studio, stating, It is interesting that the U.S. version of Godzilla runs about trying to escape missiles. Americans seem unable to accept a creature that cannot be put down by their arms. Yeah, no shit. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. That's the only political idea this fucking movie has on its mind. This movie is basically the Bush era before the Bush era. Yeah, no shit. Jesus Christ. Cheers. Oh, God. Fuck. So, Stefan, would you recommend Godzilla 98? What do you think? (laughs) Of course not! I hate this fucking movie. It's not even so bad it's good, it's just awful. Don't take your fucking kid to see it. Don't take anybody to see it. Don't even take your senile grandmother to go see it. Drive off a fucking bridge before you see this fucking movie. Jesus. It looks like he's about to commit suicide. Suicide is badass. I'd rather do that than watch this fucking movie again. Um, Chris? Yeah? Would you recommend Godzilla? Fuck no! You fucking shitting me? I mean, between the two, I'd rather watch this than King of the Monsters. Oh, I would watch King of the Monsters any day. At least that one's shorter. This is this felt like a fucking eternity. No, because at least like an hour and a half in, I forgot this was a Godzilla movie. Whereas with King of the Monsters, I had this constant reminder going over in the back of my head going, this is a bastardization of a, of a Japanese classic. Yeah, because I guess, I guess with King of the Monsters, you still have scenes from the original good movie. Right? Or, yeah, but they're completely... I mean, they're, I mean, they're carved up and... They're carved up and ruined. The, they're ruined. But they're... At least you have that reminder that, oh, there's something better out there. Stephen, why don't you tell us about our next film? So after that shit show, the only Godzilla movies that were made were either released in Toho, up until... Released by Toho up until 2004, or and then the recent American movie in 2014, yeah. which we'll talk about later. That's next. In 2016, Toho released another movie entitled Shin Godzilla, or Godzilla Resurgence, but more commonly known as Shin Godzilla. This one was directed, it was intended as a reboot of the franchise, mm-hmm. and it's directed by Hideaki Anno, who is most well known for creating Neon Genesis Evangelion, and Shinji Higuchi, who were, did storyboards in Evangelion and also directed that live-action Attack on Titan movie, which I'm sure is awful. And how they split up duties was, uh, Anno did... Direction was director, but he also wrote and edited the movie, whereas Higuchi co-directed and did visual effects. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, it's basically it's basically the same plot as the first movie, like Godzilla attacks Tokyo, mm-hmm. but instead of centering around this like kind of family unit and uh, their adjacent characters, it focuses on the Japanese government. Yes, and their response to the situation. It. It feels like, how would the government respond today if Godzilla came out of the water? Yeah. And... why really do I, funny. I really like it. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's oddly funny. Oh, yeah. Times. Like, it's probably the closest thing that a Godzilla movie's gotten to being, like, playfully satirical. Uh-huh. Like, it's just so... I, I got... I was lucky I got to see this in theaters. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I saw it for the first time last week, but it was really great. And I came into it, like, having... Knowing a lot about... Hideaki Anno, mm-hmm. just because uh, of how much times I've rewatched Evangelion. Obviously, he's a guy who has a lot on his mind, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he also has a very goofy sense of humor. Yeah, which definitely shows up more in here, more here than it does in Evangelion. 
I think my favorite moment was um, when the the acting prime minister is like he gets like a bunch of food and he's there's just, at the end of the scene is him just looking sadly at his noodle oh, yeah. bowl going, my noodles are soggy. <laughs> <laughs> like that's the saddest thing that can happen as prime minister. Yeah, just going fuck. <laughs> And it does a good job of showing just how kind of detached these people are from Well, not only that, but also reality. how dumb they are. Yeah. How petty they are. Yep. And that's the thing, is like, you look at the 54 film and everyone's like, not sure, and they're all kind of scared. But they're all going, okay, what's the best course of action here? But nobody comes off as a complete idiot. You understand where everyone's coming from? Yeah. Whereas in this movie, it's like, oh, you guys are so fucking stupid. How can I parlay this into political gain? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's it's very cynical. Everyone's stupid. Everyone's clueless. They don't know what to do with this. Except, again, like, unless it comes to political gain, they don't know what to do. I would say it's cynical about the political aspect of it, but yeah. I, think it, I think it is um, more optimistic in the sense that it seems to claim that when we band together and actually work cooperatively towards a goal, we can, yeah, we, could, we can defeat Godzilla. Yeah, that is true. Like, once we kind of Put aside our put aside our squabbles. Yeah, once we kind of put our, put aside our ideological differences, we can band together and stop this. Mm-hmm. And they do even pretty much say that in the movie. Yeah, like straight up, this movie's not subtle either. No, 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 no. And good. I think leading up to that, it is very cynical and it is very angry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in a more playful way than Fifty Four was. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the characters are super interesting, no matter how stupid they are. Yeah, yeah. Because it is really fun kind of watching this, like, political theater play out while Godzilla's just looming over yeah. them. Speaking of Godzilla looming, Godzilla looks fucking weird in this movie. Yeah, he... And yeah. it's really cool what they do. Oh, yeah, no, it's super nifty because they start with him... Like, he evolves throughout this entire movie. Yeah. At first, he's unable to, like, support his weight. Yeah. So he... Because he's, he's a basically sea creature. flopping up in town. So he's, like, kind of slithering around yeah. Tokyo. And, like, when he tries to stand up, like, he starts spewing blood out of his oh, gills. Mm-hmm. He looks a lot like an... I'm gonna say this a lot, because the same director, but he looks a lot like an angel from Evangelion. Except a- far goofier, with the eyes. Yes. He's got... Because the cool thing about this that I appreciate is that they make... Even though he's CGI, mm-hmm. uh, he looks like a uh, rubber character. Like oh, yeah. a suitmation character. Because the eyes never close. And that could look really goofy. It does but, look really goofy, but, I mean, I but, think... I think it works. It so works well. because it. I think it more than goofy. It's disturbing. It's yeah. alien. It's unsettling. Uncanny Valley. Yeah, and when he does grow into the Godzilla we know and love, like he, he keeps that, and like it's like okay, well this is go- this is recognizably Godzilla, but it's a fucking way more sinister version of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Like, he, this is the closest I think he's gotten to his original look in decades. Yeah. <sighs> this is also structurally a lot more faithful, the original, out of the more recent stuff. Because there's yeah. little focus on the monster and more focus on how to mend the situation, how the threat still looms over them, and is constantly felt throughout the film, and, like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Yeah, yeah. Like, it does kind of feel like, for lack of a better word, like a modern reboot of the original, mm-hmm. but far more satirical. Yeah, exactly. Like, it'd be interesting to see them build a franchise off of this. Yeah, and... Assuming they do. Well, we'll get to that in a bit, but... It's also gory. It's very gory. Um, very violent at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, most of the Japanese government actually gets wiped out because oh, Godzilla yeah. goes Super Saiyan and destroys most of Tokyo with the sheer power of his heat breath. Mm-hmm. 
And it's fun because going back to Godzilla's appearance, he actually unhinges his jaw. Oh, yeah. And just starts Fuck. spewing fire at the ground, which just becomes like a heat wave, which, again, kind of ties into the nuclear bomb aesthetic. Yeah. And just fucking lasers airplanes out of the air. Mm. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this movie's also got that anti-nuclear war theme because through as the film goes on, they go, okay, well, if we get the Americans in here and we get the UN in here, they can just nuke Godzilla and it's going to be fine, right? <laughs> like morons. Yeah. And then the protagonists of the movie come up with this device that can freeze Godzilla's blood and kill him that way, which would be far, yeah, a little more difficult, but definitely a lot safer for everybody. And there's a lot of conflict around that until they finally do get the go-ahead to do it. Mm-hmm. And obviously it works. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's your anti-nuclear war message. And I think this would be closer to a climate change commentary than the original was. Oh, I, I believe that too. Like, fuck yeah. I like, um, I like a lot of disaster movies. Mm-hmm. I think it does really got of illustrating what the consequences of such a thing would be too. Oh yeah. Like a climate disaster or a giant gecko. Yeah. Because you can see... A lot of shots after Godzilla wipes out most of Tokyo. Yeah. Where it's just empty streets. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing going on. And it's really somber. It's yeah. really bleak. Very Evangelion. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stefan, why don't you tell us a little bit about Neon Genesis Evangelion, which will be on Netflix soon. Good anime. Watch it. Thank you, Stefan. <laughs> Neon Genesis Evangelion was the anime that Hideaki Anno, is the anime that Hideaki Anno, the chief director of Shin Godzilla, Neon Genesis Evangelion is what he's most known for. It's a 26-episode anime that was released in 1998, which kind of pulls from his love of otaku geek stuff like kaiju and mecha. mecha. And uh, without going into too much detail, it's about a boy who gets into a mecha and fights alien monsters, alien kaiju monsters. And it's very dark. (laughs) It can get very dark. And I would not say that Shin Godzilla is as, as dark as Evangelion, but it does carry over some more aesthetic things. Like like I said, these like wide shots where there's a lot of empty space. Because mm-hmm. in Evangelion, part of the setup to the movie is that half of humanity has been wiped out. So there's a lot of empty space. Yeah. And in Shin Godzilla, because most of Tokyo has been wiped out, a lot of empty space. A lot of really sharp, ang- close angles on people. Oh yeah, no that's... Where at... That 100% felt like a stylistic yeah. choice. Where in Evangelion, it's uh, used to kind of distort somebody's features, mm-hmm. especially in the second half of the show, and create a sense of panic or anxiety. And this in, is in, solely anxiety. In this, it's solely anxiety. Also, another thing it cribs from Evangelion, the, there's a theme in the movie, uh, a musical theme, where it's like, dun, 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 dun. Are you sure you're not doing the Mission Impossible theme? No, I'm sure. That's what it sounds like. That's ripped straight from Evangelion. <laughs> it's... But, but I'm an American. If it sounds like that, then it's gotta be Mission Impossible. It's straight up, it's a reorchestration of a the- of a battle theme from Evangelion. Because I don't know what Evangelion is. Is that Elite a Battle Angel? Shut your fucking mouth. I'm surprised at just how, like, it's... I thought when I first heard it, I thought, "Oh, well, I must. It must just be really similar." No, 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 no. It's the same song. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of callbacks to Evangelion if you're interested in that sort of thing here. But for the, I mean, obviously it stands on its own. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, of course, yeah. <sighs> Fuck, I'm just a candy crush right now. 
Wow, really? <laughs> Alright, well, I'm done, so put your fucking phone away. Shut up, I'm almost done losing. I'll accelerate that fucking process. Don't fucking... I don't have a whole lot else to really talk about with Shin Godzilla. Nor do I. It's really entertaining. I'm really sad this is the one we don't have a lot to talk about, even though it's the other one I'd highly recommend. I mean, I think because it shares a lot in common with... Uh, with the original. With the original. Um, I think the main upgrades it makes... Okay, well, I don't want to call it upgrade, but it's just a different perspective to look at it through the government's perspective. Yeah, and I think it's a really neat way of looking at it. I think it's a really clever way of looking at it. I like I, the ending. Oh, fuck yeah, I love the ending. I really like the ending. Godzilla Frozen just standing there in the background. like. <sighs> yeah, it's standing in the background, and if you notice the last shot, it's like these things emerging from its tail mm -hmm. these like very humanoid things yeah it looked disgusting it was disgusting and it was disturbing but it was so fucking eerie and it was the perfect way to end it on i think oh for sure yeah but yeah no if we don't have a whole lot else to talk about it's japan would you recommend godzilla shin godzilla shin godzilla shin stefan um would you uh would you recommend Stefan, fuck. That's all Shin. <laughs> Delicious. So, Stefan, would you recommend Shin Godzilla, or as the dumbass Americans call it, Godzilla Resurgence? Nobody calls it Godzilla Resurgence. Not even Americans call it. Yeah, Godzilla no, they all call it Shin Godzilla. Um, it's a cooler name. Oh, for sure. Would you recommend this though? Yeah, I would. I don't think I'm. It would be as emphatic a recommendation as the original. No, um, but it's definitely my second favorite of the bunch. Uh, I think so too. Um, it's funny, way funnier than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Visually, Godzilla is very interesting to look at, at mm. least. It's just as smart as the original, I would say. And if you have an appreciation... Again, if you have an appreciation for these movies, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Um, I'm of the same angle. I think it's really... It's a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. It was a blast to watch in theaters. I'd highly recommend watching it with a crowd. Mm. Like, if you're, if, if you're friends with a bunch of smart people who are okay with reading subtitles, this is the movie for you. It's so much fun. It's so entertaining. It's so engaging. It's smart. It's clever. It's cynical. It's everything I kind of want to. I'd kind of want a Godzilla movie to be like. It feels like this big um, culmination of what Godzilla's kind of become over the time, which is in its roots incredibly smart and incredibly solemn. However, also fun and entertaining. Just tons of violence. Uh, it's so great. It's a good so, time. Yeah, Stefan. So, we're almost done. We're not going to talk about, like, where we see the franchise going from here until next week. Yeah. Because we just covered four fucking movies. The only thing we can we can talk say for sure, certain is that, like, there won't be a sequel to Shin Godzilla. Not for a while, at least. No, they've straight up said there probably won't be a sequel. Oh, fuck. That's fine. It's, it's, it stands really well on its own. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the only thing we can say for sure, and that is a bit of a shame. But what do you do? So, Stefan, instead of talking about the future of Godzilla... Mm -hmm. Um, what are some other pieces of media that you would recommend that relate to Godzilla? <laughs> well, like I said before, I haven't watched any other Godzilla movies besides the ones we talked about today. Mm -hmm. But I think either the original King Kong or the Peter Jackson King Kong kind of touch on similar themes. Even They're both giant monster movies, but they, they go talk about different things, but they're both kind of socially conscious monster movies. Yeah. More so the first one, I would say. More so the... Oh, I mean, even Peter Jackson's Kong is still... Oh, yeah. It's a solid movie. It's just you have to clear out your fucking day if you're going to watch that. Yeah, basically, that's something you watch in an afternoon because it's three and a half hours long. Yeah. 
And in terms of, um, and you have Pacific Rim, which is basically a homage to these types of movies. Yeah. Uh, and in that similar vein, you've got Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a 26 episode season that's about to come out on Netflix in less than a month. So, yes. um, I'm looking forward to finally giving it a go because I haven't actually seen it before. Yeah, it's, I've actually been meaning to. Yeah, it's really good. It's a, starts off very somber, kind of like Godzilla. Then it gets really goofy in the middle and then it spirals into insanity. Yeah. And it, I really love it. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, and I hope people give it a shot with Netflix. And another thing I want to quickly recommend, because it didn't get enough love last year, is um, SSSS.Gridman. That's four S's dot Gridman, uh, which is based on a older Japanese mecha superhero franchise, where there's a mecha named Gridman who would fight uh, giant monsters. And this show is kind of like a reboot or remake of that. Or like a reimagining. And it's super entertaining. And the monsters that Gridman fights are uh, actually are animated to look like uh, suitmation villains. Mm-hmm. So like people in rubber suits. Yeah. And yeah, it's got a very personal, deep story that it w- that really affected me when I watched it. And uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of our recommendations are going to overlap. Yeah. For those of you that want to get more into the Godzilla franchise, because there's like 35 fucking movies, mm-hmm. there's a lot of ground to cover, and everyone's tastes are very different. Um, James Rolfe, aka the Angry Video Game Nerd, aka Cinemassacre, actually did a really good video on his channel where he talked about where to kind of start depending on your tastes, uh, five Godzilla movies he would recommend. He goes into the older Japanese ones, which is really good, like the ones that we mostly didn't cover on here. So... Yeah, like, if you're really interested in delving more into the older Japanese Godzilla movies, I'd highly, highly recommend watching that video. Also, as far as really fun kaiju movies that didn't get a lot of attention that came out recently, I'm going to recommend... I'm going to recommend Adam Wingard's Death Note. (sighs) Fuck you. No, no, I'm going to recommend... The movie Colossal with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, which is really, it's it's not like super solemn or anything like that. Like, it's not like socially conscious in the way that like Godzilla 54 or Shin Godzilla are, because those are very politically charged. Where this one takes the kaiju model and makes it about alcoholism, and that's really cool. So if you're interested in seeing, like, a kaiju kind of movie from that perspective, I'd highly recommend that one. Uh, Bong Joon-ho just won the palm at Cannes this weekend, so I'm really happy for him. So I'm going to make some Bong Joon-ho recommendations that I'm going to try to relate as much as I can to Godzilla. Oakjaw's not necessarily a kaiju movie at all, but it does involve a giant pig. (laughs) However, Oakjaw being the giant pig and also the name of the movie does kind of give me that kaiju vibe in terms of, you know, obviously the animal size and also how it's seen by the general public in that movie. And it is also a political satire that's really good. And I'd highly recommend that because it, it feels as politically charged as like a Godzilla movie would. And yes, it has nothing to do with Godzilla, but fuck you anyway. It's awesome. (laughs) Also, I recommend The Host, which is a 2006 film from Bong Joon-ho. And again, unless you don't like subtitles or something, it's really, really good. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't think I'd actually have recommendations because you just threw me on the spot, prick. But here we are. (laughs) We did it. I'm hoping somebody emails in the show. I just watched The Host and I loved it. I'll be like, oh, wow, that's sweet of you. (laughs) That'd be great. So Chris... Before we sign off and resign ourselves to... Suicide? Yes. 
I was just gonna say living in this basement, but yeah, we usually we're, we're, resurrect ne- ourselves for the next. Episode. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 actually necromancers. Yeah. So next week we'll be back with the 2014 Godzilla and the new Godzilla King of the Monsters, which will hopefully be better than the 56 one. Hopefully, <laughs> probably, probably. I want to say so. probably. God, I hope so. Before we come back with that next week, though, Chris, we have a new thing to plug. We have some exciting news, boys and girls. Um, so yeah. First of all, once again, I'm just going to quickly do a small plug for our social media pages. So you can follow us at Decay Sequel on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. We're just Sequel Decay on there. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, I don't know why you're listening to this episode somehow. But we do have a SoundCloud account, which we're figuring out the kinks for that. I made a thing on there recently telling you guys to come to the YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, just give us likes, comments, subscribe, you know, do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um... And don't forget to ring that motherfucking bell. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, like obviously you know what to do. I feel like we're just kind of not treading any new ground there. And of course, you know, recommend us to your friends. Blah blah blah. Fucking blah. I'm gonna drink again. But we do have something new. Can't get enough um, of that wonderful bell. <laughs> finally, we got a Simpsons reference in there. Hell yeah. <clears throat> no, but we do have something new. It is our Patreon page. We did it. We did it, guys. We finally got the Patreon set up. So right now we have three tiers for patrons. Um, $1, $5, and 10 Of course, this could all change later. Mm-hmm. We could always fix it up a little bit more. It's not. It's probably not perfect right now. We just kind of... We yeah. got the tiers done kind of on the fly. Yeah, please, if you think, that's, you think any of the tiers are too high or whatever... Just tell us. Just let us know. We are very open to listening to you guys. We're very new to... This we're very very thing. very new to this content so, creation thing so yeah please just give us feedback any suggestions are welcome again as long as they're thoughtful and mature and not mean yeah or why don't you give us free shit like don't do that please don't say yeah don't say give us bonus episodes for free because fuck you yeah <laughs> um but yeah no that's the big thing is like obviously take a look at our patreon page give us feedback we haven't done an intro video for it yet and we're probably not going to not in the near future. Anyway. No, not in the near future. Like, I think the show speaks for itself. Yeah. And Also, it's hard to do a video for a podcast. Yeah, no, it's very hard to do a video for our podcast. Any, but... any money we do receive is going to go back to the show? Oh, 100%. It's either uh... going to go to new equipment. It's either going to... Yeah, it's going to go to new equipment. It's going to go to... Um, it's going to go to improving the audio, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck... Maybe if we're lucky, we could always start doing videos. Yeah, we could do videos. Like it depends on money. Yeah. Um. This uh, this will help. This will hopefully help us pay for movie tickets for new movies. Yeah. Because right now that's eating up a lot of our budget. That is eating up. Like I know when I go, I try to go to matinees as much as I can. Because I live near. I'm lucky. I live near a theater where they have ten dollar matinees. So I can go see whatever at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. and I'm happy. I do not have that luxury. You don't have that luxury. I, I pay $18 for every new movie. Jesus Christ. Uh, it's more or less. Uh, and Oh, yeah, because Cineplex is, like, really bad with ticket prices. Yeah, and... Like, I don't have a Cineplex near me. I have a Landmark Theater, and they're fucking yeah. fantastic. Yeah, like, I think it's, like, 10 to $13, because I don't go see 3D. Yeah, and, but, yeah. Uh, and I don't make a lot of money. We do... This is a we passion don't. project right now, so... Any little bit would help. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Like even if you just donate one or five dollars, I mean, I think our highest tier is ten dollars, and I don't think we're gonna go beyond ten bucks. No, 
we have no reason to, and I don't think we'd ever have any reason to. Not yet, anyway. No. Not yeah. not in the near future. I'd say not. Or, or in the far Distant future. future, no. I don't see any reason why. But, yeah, no, I think right now, the highest our tiers are ever going to get is to $10. Mm-hmm. I don't see us going any higher. If we do go any lower, it's going to be based on suggestions, but we're not. I don't want to go much lower than that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah... Like, it's definitely going to help with movie tickets. It's definitely going to help with audio and video, possibly. And, you know, getting us new equipment and stuff like that. Because this shit ain't cheap. And right now we're recording on a snowball mic that should have been a Yeti. But wasn't. Yeah. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so any little bit helps. Again, tell your friends. Let people know. Share us around the internet for fuck's sake. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's not gonna fucking hurt anybody. Fight with me on Twitter. Do it, cowards. Yeah, don't. He's stupid. Fuck you. Fuck you. I owned our Twitter account. Oh yeah, I guess you could always. We could always plug our Twitter pages too. Oh yeah. Um. So, uh, Stefan, if you'd like to plug yours real quick. Um. It's okay. I'm not gonna say the handle because it's really fucking hard to. It's at at t r u s t r o. No, it's isn't it t r u n o s t r s t r o free. T R U N O O S T R O free. Yeah. That's my Twitter handle. If you look up Stefan Salehio, S T E F A N S A L E G I O, it should take you to an account that its current name is Fluffy Boy. Yeah. That's me. That's yeah. me. I have a little rose emoji in my in my name, so that'll be me. Mm-hmm. So please like follow me. I usually only retweet political shit and occasionally writing that I do. Yeah, so if you don't want if you don't if you want your Twitter page to stay apolitical just like the old Godzilla movies <laughs> <laughs> then absolutely do not follow him. Or you could always follow me on Twitter at Ranticlaus97. Mm-hmm. That's R-A-N-T-A Claus like C L A U S ninety seven. It's either movies, politics, it's everything. Yeah. My, mine's kind of a shit show. Yeah. Um, right now I'm still kind of at the point in my Twitter page where I'm just still like plugging book smart as much as I can because I fucking love that movie. Yeah. And Brandon Pollock is just B-R-A-N-D-O-N-P-A-W-L-I-K. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're interested in following him. He yeah, doesn't, he, he doesn't, he doesn't do tweet at all. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> just don't find us on Facebook. Please leave us alone Please on leave us alone on Facebook. <laughs> like, Twitter's fine because that's a little more open. Yeah. But, yeah, leave, don't send us friend requests because we won't accept them. No, no. Unless you know us. I, I think we're very presumptuous about how much people actually care about this. We are, but I'm sure <laughs> someone's going to listen to this down the road and go, gee, I wonder if I should add them on Facebook. And I'm like, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> fucking creeps. And that's that's it for us. I think I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm fucking sick and tired of this shit. Mm. We've been doing this for like two and a half fucking hours. This is our longest recording yet, I think. Oh, fuck yeah. Jesus Christ. Alright, well, thank you so much for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with Godzilla Part 2. If these episodes do really well, I would not I would like to do more. Yeah, we, we're, we're open to doing more older Godzilla movies. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's um, just right now, unfortunately... We don't have any plans for we it. We don't have any plans for it. We don't have the ability or the funds to track all of them down. And I'm not going to pay for a fucking Criterion channel no. a subscription just so I can watch Godzilla. No. I do want to get one in the future, it's just I can't afford it right now. Right, right. But either way... 
we are open to doing this, do more Godzilla episodes in the future. So if you do really like this, let people know. Give us more support. Blah, blah, blah. Consider donating to the Patreon. Consider donating to the Patreon, which is going to be live eventually. Probably by the time this is up. Hopefully by the... Yeah, probably. Yeah. But either way, thank you so much for putting up with our shit once again this week. We'll be back next week with more Godzilla. And then we're going to move on to something that's not going to theaters. Yep. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Um, this is a bit of a last-minute update, but I just wanted to clarify some things about our Patreon page. We added an extra tier, so now we have a $1 tier, a $2 tier, $5 tier, and a $10 tier. Um, everything is pretty much spelt out in the tier descriptions and everything. And once again, we are very, very open to any suggestions, comments, criticisms of how our page looks and yeah it's it's live our patreon's finally live so if you want to donate to that at all you can find it at patreon.com slash sequel decay so yeah that's it thank you so much for listening again